Welcome to Fix It and Flip It. The current real estate market is ripe for rehabbing. If you want to learn how to buy the right property at the right price and learn how to project and control costs, then you've come to the right place. Our host, Tony Raffin, is from the number one rematch team in southeastern Michigan. And Kevin McClellan is Mr. Flipper Extraordinaire. Now, let's welcome Tony and Kevin. This is Fix It and Flip It. Morning, Tony. <laughs> Morning, Kev. How are you? Feeling better than you. Yeah, I know. I know. Allergies. <clears throat> allergies yeah. are an MFR. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Especially. You got bad allergies? No. I. You know what's really weird? I never had an allergy problem until uh, until uh, I used to have a tire store in 1985. Um, <laughs> what, have, what have you not done? I, I owned a tire and auto <laughs> repair shop in 1985. 85, 80, 85, 87. Um, 80 excuse me 83 through 85 okay so he had a tire store and the rubber dust mm. is what triggered allergies for me oh. otherwise never from what taking the tires and putting them on put them yeah, off the rubbing whatever just, just having we had a warehouse we were wholesalers so we had a warehouse with probably just the dust in general in just that the place. dust from, but the rubber dust was yeah. brutal and then all of a sudden i started getting these allergies and my partner said to me he goes yeah the the rubber dust usually triggers them. And what are you talking about? And he started explaining the, the rubber dust, how, you know, you'll just make you more sensitive to this and that. And I don't know why, but whatever it was, then I started having allergy issues. But I've, I've been pretty good lately, honestly. Uh, take my vitamins. I, you know, good. eat my spinach. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I guess we'll go from rubber, du- rub- hey. rubber dust. That's tough to say. Rubber dust. Rubber dust. Rubber dust to yeah, houses. So. We're, we're dieting now. So if yeah. I'm in a moody mood, who's I'm we? Sorry. Me and my wife. Yeah. What's yeah. that consist of? Um, you know what? A lot of exercise. It's a cool diet. Yeah. Um, a little bit of exercise, not a lot. Um, it's actually a 500 calorie a day diet. 500. Come on. It's HCG diet. Yeah. It's human chorionic gonotropin is the is the key. It, it mimics your body being pregnant. No, I'm just I'm telling yeah. you the truth. Mimics your body being pregnant. It, I can find it man, man or a woman. And basically what it does is it sends a signal to for your body to take the glucose in, in that in is in your blood and because it, it'll it'll mobilize your visceral fat, turn it into glucose, puts it in your blood and then uses the caloric dif- deficiency. So even though you think you're only eating you're only absorbing five hundred calories, you're actually probably absorbing three thousand calories, but twenty five hundred are from fat. Where a normal diet, what would happen is your body shuts down and saves the fat and saves it. The first thing that goes is muscle. Muscle is always the first thing that deteriorates. So with the HCG, uh, it it's a yeah. I know so you're you're bored already. <laughs> Skinny people I mean, I don't was give wondering a shit. How long we're going? We're going to go on this, and yeah. then I'm wondering, are you going to be 150 pounds next show? <laughs> I mean, 500, 500 calories a day. I'm worried about you. I'll be all right. You're gonna be okay. I'm. A, I have a, a, a an app called Fitness. Do oh, you like my coffee cup? Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who are watching, work fucking harder. Um, stop complaining and whining. Just stop, work harder. Stop, like Arnold Schwarzenegger used to say it. Stop whining. Stop whining. Stop whining. Um, yeah. So that's uh, 
it, it's it's really not that bad. I, I find myself more compulsive eating. Uh, mo- the majority of my food eating is compulsive. If I'm driving down the street and you see a Taco Bell, you're thinking, oh, Taco Bell's healthy. You know, no, it's not. What the hell are you talking no, about? You know, no. I mean, there's certain things that you can pick through and what have you, but sour cream and cheese is not yeah. freaking good for you. So I, I, th- I think the majority of it is keeping my food logged. So I'm logging my food every day, what I eat, how I eat, when I what eat. What kind of liquids are you taking in? Uh, 18 of these yesterday, wow. waterlogged, lost six pounds from yesterday to today. But everybody's like, you can't lose six pounds. Yes, you can. A gallon of water <laughs> weighs eight pounds. And if you lose a quart, that's two, that's two pounds. So I lost three quarts of water yesterday. Didn't lose fat, you know, but the whole idea is the water flushes the toxins out of your body yeah. and the fats out of your body. So it, it, it makes you aware of it. And I need to be, it's, I just, after the car accident I had in January, you know, being sedated, not being able to go to the gym. And you know me, I was always a gym guy. I always yeah. went to the gym and then one thing leads to the other before you know it, you got to start strengthening yourself. You got to start feeling better. And you know, so anyways, on to today's okay, discussion, rubber, rubber dust, glycogen, and, rubber uh, dust, glycogen, and uh, HCG. HCG. Yeah. So okay. We're going to start the new uh, <laughs> fix it and flip it uh, body shaping program. <laughs> yeah. That'll be. Uh... Yeah. You're not in the house, if you're not in the houses, maybe you're into losing weight. Hey, whatever. We can hear. We're here to help. Oh, yeah. you know, whatever it is. We're. We're. we're uh... a full lifestyle. Yes, uh, absolutely. Full lifestyle. So podcast. you guys look at me today. We'll see what happens next week. I'll be down to nothing. Yeah. I mean, at this rate, you should lose 20 pounds by next week. So I'm excited for you. Maybe 10, but yeah. I'll be, if I can lose yeah. 10 pounds the first week, I'll be very, very happy. But the whole idea is people that lose weight quickly usually gain it back quickly. Oh, yeah. I did this diet back in 2007 and I went from 297 pounds wow. to 235 pounds in 43 days. And I kept it off for the majority of nine years. And then you, know, you get married and you start eating oh, a little oh, bit easy, more. Easy, know. careful. No, my wife cooks good. Yeah. What can you say? You Watch know? yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not, it's not because it's because of the food, baby, yeah. because of the food. Yeah. So anyways, uh, today's, uh, we're going back to basics again and, uh, part two of question and answer of people calling in and I might as well start, uh, with you. Yeah. Um, we had a ton of questions. I think we got to a couple of them last show. We got, you know, we got through like six questions. That's yeah. about it. So, um, one of the big things is people, uh, in, in our industry want to know, and this is, and people that are asking us, what point do you determine if a property is going to be a fix and flip or a buy and hold as a rental? Where do you decide that? Yeah. So I, th- I think that's going to differ upon any investor that you talk to. A lot of these questions, a lot of things in general, real estate investing is really going to come down to, the individual investor, right? How they do the house, whether they add a bedroom or not, put an addition on or not, full renovation or carpet and paint. But since you're asking me, I'll answer. Um, in terms of my, I mean, and, and the and the reason, I, I guess, I'm gonna go to the person who answered the, who asked this question, um, CF from Chesterfield, um, hi CF. We don't want to give out names. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, ICF from Chesterfield. Um, one of the things that I say is because I look, I look up to you at this is your discipline. So with discipline comes rules. So where are your rules and how do you set them? I guess. Yeah. I mean, so to answer that question is me personally, 99 times out of a hundred, because I think there's been one property that I, I, was going to keep as a rental, then decided to flip. 99% of the time I go in, I've, I've identified the property as whether it's a flip or a rental, hold it in the portfolio, right? Um, and that's just based on 
the potential um, change of value that I can make in the home, the potential profit margin, whether it's an investable area, whether it's an area that I can really jump that from um, you know my acquisition price into my after repair value, whether, whether that spreads there to make it worth it the while, whether it's an area where people are going and getting mortgages and actually uh, where I can pull a top dollar you know per square foot per square foot for the home. Um, so really for me as an investor, if I'm looking for a rental, I know the area I want to buy rentals. I know the cap rate that I want or your ROI, whatever. They're similar. We've gone over that. It's very similar, yeah. Um, so I know how much for me it's. I know about how much I want to have tied up capital in a rental. I know I'm going to get eight hundred to a thousand dollars a month in rent. I know that I don't want to pay any more than you know forty to fifty thousand all in for that property. So it's easy for me because my rentals are all very structured and the same. I got an investor buddy who's got a two-bedroom house in South Warren that's a rental, and then he's got a four-bedroom house in Harrison Township by the lake that's a rental property, a $700 rental and a $1,700 rental. So he's a little different. He'll buy something, and, and we're going to have him on the show, my buddy Dan. He'll buy something, and depending on where his crews are at, depending on where his cash flow is, depending on how the rest of his rental properties are going, sometimes he'll flip it, sometimes he'll put a little money into it and hold it for a year or two and then sell it. Take take a long-term capital gain. Yeah, it helps, it helps defer the, the, the short-term capital gain um, costs. So, but strictly for me, I, I go into a property already knowing whether it's a possible area where I'm going to flip or it's an area where I want to buy rentals and the price point. So it really comes down to area and price point to answer the question are the two things that help me determine whether it's a flip or a rental property. So the variables are bigger, but those are the two main things. That sure. You there's to. a ton of errors, but those are the main ones. Got it. Okay. So, um, let's see. Here's a good one for Tony, since he's so kind of upfront and opinionated. Who? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to add two questions together, and then I'll let you talk like you do best. How do you? <laughs> oh, I did. Uh, no, did you say that? Tourette syndrome. <laughs> I'm sorry for anybody with Tourette syndrome, but boy, that was a hurtful one. I'm going to okay. ask this question to take a nap. Um, a part A of A and B. Okay. How do you deal with pain in the ass slash difficult clients? Whether owner occupant or investors, difficult clients. How do you how do you handle them? Maybe educate some of our younger realtors that are listening. Do you ever say no to a potential client who wants you to sell their home or some or submit a purchase agreement for them? And if so, why? Do you always take a client on? Do you ever say no? And how do you deal with pain in the ass clients? I don't know which one you want to tackle first. They both go hand in hand. Sure, that's why I combined they both, both of them. Go, they both go hand in hand. I kind of saw that and made that executive decision, Tony. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey. All right, go ahead. Sweaty balls. What's that? The uh, <laughs> All right, go ahead. We can talk with that calm voice. Uh, this, is a, this is a really good question that you ask, and it comes in different ways. Um, we've got lots of clients that, you know, I think, I think today's consumer is a lot more educated than the consumer of yesteryear, especially with the internet and what's available and everybody thinks they know everything. But when you look at somebody like me who does hundreds of transactions a year, and then you look at uh, a, a landowner or a homeowner that does one or two every seven years, or even maybe, you know, even a little bit less, you know, maybe moves twice in 30 years, but they think they know everything because, you know, they're, oh, we, we can save this money. They don't realize it that we can get more money based on our marketing strategies than they can get as a for sale by owner. We can um, siphon through 
the prospective buyers and make sure that they're qualified before they walk in the door. Right. You don't want to waste your time. I mean, time is the most valuable, your most valuable. So when you see somebody that has a condo for sale and they put it up for sale by owner because they want to save the money when they don't realize that, well, wait a second, we can get you a lot more money. Your open house is just going to sit there and entertain the old neighbors that are there because they want to walk around and see what happened because so-and-so died and and we want to sell it. The family wants to save three or $4,000 when they're really losing more money. So it's like losing thousands to save pennies yeah you know they don't realize it but going back to the the original question with the pain in the ass buyers there's some people that come to the table and other agents do it and this is a real man this is a freaking tough question some people will take a listing just to have a listing yes is it the psychological feel good adrenaline rush? I got desperate, a listing. I'm desperate doing good. Agents. Yeah. Desperate, well, de- desperate I think it all goes hands in hand. They're desperate. They know it's probably not going to sell at 150 thousand. They know it's worth 125, but they're going to take it anyways. Their only hope is to get a reduction, and they can talk the guy into it over time. Sometimes that becomes futile. Sometimes you end up being a jerk because you didn't sell the house. Then they go to somebody else. And guess what happens when they go to somebody else? They lowered the price. Well, that's not fair. And I'll tell my clients the same thing. You're going to go move to another realtor and he's going to lower your price when you could have lowered it with me in the first place. Call you second, right? Right. (laughs) Well, call me second. We used to tell the banks all the time when the banks started changing their values uh, and and wanting more and more and more. I said, give me the listing second. Yeah. Don't don't give it Get to me. Get pissed off at the first guy because right. he couldn't sell it way and, overpriced. And then for the you're and then you're going to come to me and because I've already given you the lower value and you didn't listen to me in the first place and then it ends up happening. So it, it kind of goes to this point here. Do you ever fire clients? You're damn straight. We do. I mean, at some point, there's. Look at I can't stand working with you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you fire me every month. Yeah, but I mean, at some point, the the return is not worth. I don't want to say the risk, but it's, I mean, the return is not worth the headache. Who was the one who said it? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Sure. There you go. I okay. like that one. Yeah. And, and we find that a lot. I, and I mean, I remember in years, in the beginning years, uh, my my partner and I partnered up with a gentleman who was also in the insurance industry. Great guy. His name was Carl. And he, Carl and I would beat heads. Well, we had a girl who was a friend of my my buddies and my buddy sent her to us. She wanted to buy a house. I showed her... 99 houses. <laughs> Talk about never giving up. Yeah. I thought she would never. She must have been attractive. I went, no, <laughs> I, it wasn't even that. That wasn't even the case. It was, it was, I got, I'm it, kidding. I got so much time invested now. At least let me it's get that, minimum yeah, wage. That point of, yeah. Right. Or my, less my, than. My buddy's going through that right now. I don't, I don't want to say name. But. Ian Mason, the realtor. No, no, no. I, Ian, Ian's a good buddy of mine. I, I am, but, but no, but another real buddy of mine. Show showed a guy forty houses. He's he's at forty now, and trying to buy in an area where he's just he can't get what he wants for that price because of where the market is. Because it's not there, and he won't and realize. At, and at what point do you? And he he's at the same point yeah. where it's. I'd like to at least just get a commission and get the money back and gas that I've spent going right. around. It's not going to be a big commission either way, right? And it's like that point of diminishing return. And at what point do you pull the plug? Yeah. It, it, there, it's, it's, I mean, you went to 99 times. I went 99 times, but this I was mean, the beginning that's of my like career. That's weight and hitting 300 and then 400 and then 500 and 600. At, at what point do you stop it? It's when your mindset sets in and says, wait a second, enough is enough. And it's the same it was thing. 99? With, was it's it 99? A, well, no, it wasn't 99. When you went to triple digits, that was going to be a problem? I went on vacation. 
And I explained to Carl, Carl, we got a problem. This is what's happening. I just want to let you know. So if something comes up while I'm gone, and mind you, this is probably 20 years ago, 18 years ago. So I was fairly new in the industry. Carl shows her one house and sells it to her. And I'm like, I'm leaving town more often so that you could sell my clients because for some odd reason, uh, you know, maybe I talk too much. Maybe I explain too much and then I confuse them too much. Yeah, you but- give people too many choices. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I remember, uh, you know, back in the days when I used to sell uh, watches. I mean, everybody laughed. You used to sell watches too. Yeah, I had a freaking suitcase full of phony, <laughs> hey, which one you want? phony Rolex watches. I mean, this was 30 <laughs> years ago. But, you know, when you had two Rolexes, a gold one and a stainless steel one, you know, they had a choice. And all of a sudden, hey, I got a Gucci. I got this. I got that. I got this. I got that. Before you know it, you got 30 choices and nobody's buying anything. Oh, that's that's part of sales, A or B, right? I was taught that in sales. You know. it, 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 to me, instead of going to school to learn that, I learned that the hard way. I mean, this is back in 1985. You know, we're, you know, 84. I mean, this is, I mean, we have a crazy friend of ours that used to be a realtor. Um, I won't mention any names. Yeah, you don't have to. I already know who he was <laughs> just by saying that. But uh, he, I would laugh. He'd say, I'll, I'm going to show people four houses. And if they don't pick one of those, I'm not showing any more houses. Yeah. And, 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 it made, and it worked. And it made sense to a point for him. I mean, you know, he's, he's different, but it made a little sense that they told me what they want. They told me all the parameters of the house that they want. If I bring them to four houses like that and they still find something wrong with each one of those, I'm probably not their guy for them. They need to go to somebody else and walk them through 30 homes. And you know what? It does save a lot of time. It does save a lot of energy. There's no crystal ball, right? No, you don't know if there's you keep really going. Not. You don't know if number five, they're going to buy six, seven, or the eight. The most important thing is, is I look at my reputation because when they're referred to me by somebody, they're, they're looking and saying, you know, Raffin's a superstar. He's really good. He'll pay attention. Who says that? Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't miss a beat. No, not everybody. everybody. And, and the thing is, is I want to give my best all, whether it's a $1,000 property, a $2,000 property, a $100,000 property, a million dollar property. Well, yeah. And, and, and we go back to what we've been speaking about since the day we started this podcast, relationships. So you want a good relationship. And then when somebody refers you, you want to make sure that's you're- the hardest thing to cut bait on a referral. You, you've done well for somebody. They've talked highly about you at a family function or a holiday party and say, this is the guy. And then you can't just see these people just can't get on the right page. And, and I mean, they're difficult. And then, yeah, at what point? Well, it's, it's probably give it a little longer leash there on, on those people. You normally you would know. give it a little bit longer leash, which I would say, yes. But sooner you know. or later, 30, 40 properties, the drive time, the gas, come on. Especially. I mean, if they don't like 30 or 40 properties, they're probably not buying. Well, oh. when I went, like I sold the house in St. Clair Shores and the people wanted to buy in St. Clair. Okay. So we're showing houses in St. Clair. Yeah. 30 mile road, 32 mile road. Right. North of that. Yeah. Okay, enough is enough. After 15 houses and three of them were exactly what they wanted, you're really not doing this to me. No. So basically, we say goodbye, wish you somebody else, whatever. Or if I have a team member that lives a little closer there, I'll have him go on a showing with me and then basically 
not in a bad way, but pawn them off. Yeah. Sometimes, you know? hey, sometimes it's like a baseball player that just can't get it. They got the talent, but they're with the wrong team. And sometimes it just takes a new manager to come in and, and give a voice. And just a different voice is what I'm getting at that. Which is true. And maybe sometimes just a new face, a new voice, and they can get a deal done. I mean, sales is a, is, is a weird, you know, finicky thing. It's the personalities. You know, it's is personalities the, the key, make a know? huge thing when it comes well, to Well, like when I go to a listing appointment or a, or a buyer's uh, appointment, when a buyer comes into the office, you know, they're like, well, we're interviewing three realtors, and I, and I start laughing at them. I says, you think this is an interview with me? It's not. It's me interviewing you. Yeah. I want to see if we're even going to be able to fit to work together. Right. I know it sounds a little auspicious. Aus, aus, You're going for auspicious? Auspicious. I think that- I'm not going to ask for the definition. No, okay. it, 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 it sounds like like underhanded or a little bit, you know, but, but it's really not. We have to interview the people we're working with because if our personalities don't match, it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, I mean, forget politics, forget race, forget religion. If if we don't click, yeah, because I don't care what religion you are, I don't care what race you are, I don't care what politics you are. If we could see eye to eye on what your ultimate goal is, then we both win. I get a commission, you get the house you want, everybody's happy. Yeah, you know, I never saw anybody complain about making money. Most of them are happy to make money. I did have an agent with me that that worked for me, believe it or not. He goes, I don't want to make a hundred thousand dollars. I just want to be the smartest agent there is. I said, well, you're the dumbest agent that there is because <laughs> you don't want to make any money because I get it. Money making is secondary. Yeah. Doing what you love doing is more important. But at the end of the day, follow suit, follow the money. If everybody makes money, everybody's happy, plain Same and simple. Okay. So, I mean, do you say no to people making ridiculous offers on property? You're damn straight. I do. So you come to me, because you want me to help you find a house. I find you a house. You like the house, but you don't like the price. Then you say to me, what should we offer on the property? Then I run the numbers, okay? And depending on the market, depending on how long the house has been on the market, if it's been on the market a long time, you can come in with a lower offer. If it's been on the market for a short period of time, chances are you can't. But then you look at the values and let's say, let's just use $150,000. So the house is listed for $150,000 and well, we want to offer a hundred. Um, there's nothing in the neighborhood for a hundred. Yeah. Well, that's what we want to offer. If you want to offer that kind of number, I'll do it once. Yeah. But that's it. I'm not going to waste my time with right. a buyer that is unrealistic of really what's out there. Yeah. I mean, you get, you want to steal things. That's great. This is not the market to steal things. No, in. I know the, that. <laughs> if this was six years ago, seven years Even ago, three, four, okay, yeah, we can, we, yeah. we'll, we'll do that. So we say goodbye to those people too. I think one of the hardest things to do as a realtor is to fire a client. It really was the first time I ever did it was very, very difficult to me. They don't care about firing you. Why should you care about firing them if they don't give a shit about what you got to say? And, and cause remember, they're not paying for what's on you. Right. That's why you don't see me in a three piece suit. They're paying for what's between these two microphones or these two headphones. Uh, agreed. It's, and, and, and it's the, another question. It is. Okay. So go to the next question. Hold on. Let me check that other one off there. How do you come up with a budget for a flip property? Oh, that's a good question. It's a real good question. Because I do things a bit wild. I don't I don't have really strict budgets. Um because you have I, unlimited funds. No, you're that's, rich as no, fuck. no, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Many people, yeah, would like to think that. I I, I would hope one day, but no, not now. Um, thanks, Tony. Um, <laughs> I already get enough girls. People. He's available. I, I always get enough people to. Uh, well, I don't know about that, but I, I get enough people asking me for for loans right now and for money. I don't loan money. Yeah, I don't. I invest my money. Yep. Yeah, but um, I'd have to take that and answer it two ways. 
one one way for, from from the optic of a of a new investor and a newbie of of how to put a budget together. The second is when you're more seasoned and you've done a hundred. Let's a hundred flips is really a good number, honestly. To where I think like you pretty much have a PhD in flipping. I mean, pretty much in terms yeah. of flipping. I'm not saying I can go build new homes. I'm not saying I can add additions on with. Uh, I don't do that. I, I take you're the, a renovator. I take the existing you're not a structure. Right. Yeah, I take the four walls. Move things around inside, open things up, renovate what's there, replace what's broke, and and uh, and put it back on the market. And so, in the beginning, if you're a new investor, number one, it's 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 tough because you got to know your number some way, right? Correct. So at that point, it's probably getting a lot of estimates. It's probably getting three estimates for everything and trying to see where that. So, for instance, you know, I'll I'll use myself for an example of I, I bought a house a couple months ago, huge tree in the backyard that just had to come down right in the middle of the driveway. And honestly, I haven't really, believe it or not, had to remove many big trees. So I didn't really have a tree guy, right? On my list of menu of guys that I call my granite guy, my carpet guy. I was like, God, oh my I, guy Dan, I don't have a. <laughs> <laughs> I got a guy. I got a guy for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I didn't have a good tree guy. I found one. But I got three quotes. Is 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 cliche and corny as it sounds. My first quote was thirty five hundred. My second quote was twenty five hundred, and my third was eighteen. Now I was a little worried at, at the eighteen, right? Like, are they going to show up? Are right. they going to like crush my house? Are they going to do the job and finish it? Are, are they, they insured? Are they insured? But I'll be honest, I got lucky, and he was a phenomenal tree company. I've used them since. His prices are the absolute best, and that's just one guy that you just, can you plug him. Well, yeah, it's uh, Tom Comiskey from uh, Turf and Timber uh, Tree Service. I'll Write that to, down, uh, everybody. Yeah, yeah, Tom Comiskey, Turf and Timber. I mean, the guy is uh, the guy is a legit guy, St. Clair Shores guy, and um, it takes down took down a tree three feet wide. Three of my houses now trimmed a bunch of stuff, cleans up. Um, his guys are good, so it was one of those great contacts that I didn't have. That now you add to the menu of, and so the next house I, I'm doing now in Harper Woods, I need another big tree. It just so happened that it was like two you in a row. Tre- you ain't chopped any trees down in a hundred houses, I and know. now you got two in a row. Not in three, actually. three in a row. Yeah, the one big one at Washington, I had a oh couple down too. So, anyways, so. Get if you're a new investor, get multiple bids on things: carpet, granite, fl- some of the stuff you just got to do. I mean, putting trim in and putting tile down and things like that. If you're if you're going to do the work yourself, you just do the work yourself and see where the budget adds up. Go to Home Depot, walk the aisles. I know this sounds really stupid, but whenever I get a chance, I'm going to sound like a complete loser. I'll walk the aisles of Menards, Lowe's, and Home Depots for new ideas. They'll get new products in. They'll get. Home Depot will start selling shiplap or they'll start selling a certain type of stone for cultured stone. Yeah. It's like so weathered wood. Yeah. Barn, barn yeah, door wood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Barn doors. Barn things doors. like that. So walk the aisles. If you're serious about being an investor, which if you're watching this show, you probably are, mm-hmm. educate yourself. Look at magazines. I'll sit at night on the couch and Google kitchen island ideas, kitchen renovation ideas, bathroom renovation Pinterest. ideas. Pinterest. Pinterest. If you're not on Pinterest, you're making a big mistake. Pinterest will set more ideas up for you than probably anywhere yeah. else. You can Google kit or you can Pinterest Google our <laughs> kitchen island. Sorry, yeah. no, I keep saying Google. Google, 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 Google. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you can you can Pinterest barn doors. I'm gonna tell you what, when we did the rehab on the Westbury house, my wife did it based on Pinterest. Went bananas. Yeah. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at the color scheme. Colors, you know? colors and yeah. design. That's the biggest thing is design and then the color scheme has to match with, with the design in some sense. So newbie, 
get estimates, get three estimates, educate yourself, go to Home Depot, see what the tile costs, see what the thin set costs, see what the spacers and the sponge and the grout cost, see what the backsplash tile costs. Put together a very, very structured, take a day and put together every single thing you think that needs to go in that home. Cabinets. Don't forget little things like knobs, knobs. Hand, hands, handles. They are more expensive than people. $300. Don't. $700. Well, I, I mean, of course, yes, of course, yeah. you got to have the Cadillac of everything. Yeah, of course. But, I mean, you, know, you, <laughs> you could do Home Depot for you know, 100 but it's still 150 bucks. It is. People get to, that's the problem is people get near the end of their project with the last week and I do the same thing. And I'm thinking, you know, I've got 100000 in this house. I'm pretty much done. And another five grand, honestly, comes in punch list. And shit. just oh, we forgot a bifold door. We forgot this. Some vent registers, vent registers, caulking. Shoe, oh, okay. There's, you know, the base is down and the case is in the now doors. You gotta put the shoe. Put in. the shoe bully, and you need five hundred linear feet. You know, so it's two dollars like, a foot. Yeah, whatever. It adds foot, yeah. up. It really adds up. As a seasoned investor, you should know your numbers. I really don't even go in with much of a budget now at this point because I know roughly. Given the square footage of the home, what I'm going to do with the home, 50 grand, I'm spending it. forty to fifty grand, give give or take, you know. But I buy the house with such a big margin that it's okay if I'm if I sit, you know, if I'm under five grand or if I'm over. But how many times grand. have you bought a house and all of a sudden surprise? It happens all the time. You open up a wall. There's a crack. All this the time. and that. A plumbing. Yeah. And all, talk all. talk to other investors. How to come up with a budget? I have guys call me all the time. Not that I really have time to go around and put together budgets for people, but I have people call and ask me to come by and check out their flip and see what I think of this and. Should I do this bathroom or not do this bathroom? Tap into the resources that you have. Tap into realtors that you know, other investors that you know, friends that are in the construction trades, mom, dad, uncle, grandpa, whatever. I mean, if you're if you're talking about a lot of money that you're investing in a project, flipping a house is not easy. I mean, a lot of people think it's easy, right? It's not easy. And it's the farthest no. thing from doing one house. Right. And your first house is the hardest. So I've done a few. Yeah. I've done, I've done, I've done more than a few. I've done, yeah. but what I've done, I've done good. Yeah. Over the top, probably, because that's yeah. usually how a I A lot am. of them, though, you're the more renovate while you live in it kind of thing. And then sell, yes, correct. For the most part. So you're going to put a little added upgrades in because, because you're cause, enjoying cause, them. Cause you're yourselves. enjoying it. Right. You're living in it. You're getting a, little, a lot of value back there. Right. So, so it comes back. Let's see. Let's get let's get another one over to Tony. Um, did I hit this one already? Why is it so hard for new agents to break into the market and have long-term success? Especially in this market. This is a weird market. It is just, a weird market. I was just texting right with now. a friend of mine that's a realtor, not Ian Mason. Hi, Ian. <laughs> Hi, Ian Mason. But it really wasn't. <laughs> but you always just think it's Ian because I'm always eating lunch with him. I love Ian. Uh, we love Ian. He's yeah. like, on the show. We he's my competition. We should have him on the show. He's my competition and he's still my friend. Wow. And I don't, we don't look at There's enough business out there. Uh, I think Paul Apostolakis said it uh, a couple weeks ago. If I controlled a hundred percent of the market, then then it would be a problem if he took one percent away from me. But we don't. Yeah. So there's so much business out there, and people want to be so competitive. It's like, man, like your other realtors, yeah. enjoy it, f- partner. But you know, there's certain things I'm not going to tell to a local realtor. But when I go sure. to a convention and I get an idea from somebody from Texas, and I'll give them an idea that I have, we could share ideas with people that are not using here in Michigan, but somebody in another state because they're not competing against us. I try not to share. Too many ideas with local people. Well, yeah, at the end of the day, in your backyard, it's like me. I'm. I really have to be careful about not creating competition in my own backyard. These properties are getting harder and harder to find. Competition does but breed success. It does, but honestly, I still go help people and still walk through the house and tell them what to do or what not to do. And right, give them advice. I don't want to see them lose money. No, and that's the, and that and I think once again it goes back to building the relationships. I, once again, we keep going back to the relationships, but. Read that question to me one more time so I can finish it. Why is it so hard for new agents to break into the market and have long-term success? Because they're looking at the short term. 28 
years ago, a man by the name of Klaus Prost, who was my neighbor, my mentor, uh, told me that I should sell real estate. And he told me, don't do it for the money. Do it because you love doing it. I'll never, ever, ever, God rest his soul, Klaus died at a young age. He was the epitome of a gentleman. He was the probably one of the baddest ass realtors you could ever know, God rest his soul. And he told me, don't do it for the money. Do it because you love doing it. The money comes and money comes over time. And Zig Ziglar said, it takes seven years to become a superstar in any profession. So you're not going to be a superstar overnight. A lot of these people that you'll see on pod, other podcasts and stuff like that or, or on TV or, or even billboards, you know, all they're doing is throwing a ton of money at advertising and hoping something sticks to the wall. Right. That's not what it is. How about not advertising and see what you get? Yeah. See, see if you can get anything. I, I like a more personal approach. I don't want to be the, the king of real estate. I want to be my own little prince of my own little uh, domain. Uh, yeah, that, that's it. Because I, I don't have what it takes to do it on that massive level because I, I'm not my mentally, I'm not there. I don't want to be there. I want to be personal with the people. But that I what is with. making it hard for new agents in this market to have long-term success? You see a lot of, a lot come in. Because they come in underfunded. It's the reason most businesses fail. Most businesses fail uh, within the first five years because of, because of undercapitalization. If you're a realtor and you made it more than five years, chances are you're going to be a pretty decent realtor. How many realtors are really superstars? Very few. It seems like you got, there's this here and here and not a whole lot in the middle now. Well, I mean, you, know, you got guys doing five or 10 deals a year. Then you got guys doing 80 to, to hundred. A good realtor does 40 deals a year. That's a very successful realtor. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't done 40 deals in a year and God, you do more 18 years. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, last year was, you know, last year was a, a good year. I think we did a hundred. So what, do you, what advice do you give to a new realtor? Should they go right on their own and walk into a, you know, a, a brokerage work, work with they work with a no, team work with a team or or have a good trainer somebody that can guide you in the right direction work with a good team for a few years they got to view it as like going to college for four years don't they if you think you're going like to be a realtor gonna, and pay your two hundred dollars for your two hundred fifty dollars to take a real estate co- course that's forty hours and you think you're going to become a superstar spending two hundred fifty dollars and forty hours oh I'm a realtor now I'm going to be a multimillionaire that doesn't happen it, it's just like you said. Put your time in. Yeah. This is, this is, we make, mo- we make more money than doctors. Some of us, we make more money than lawyers. How long did a doctor go to school? Four years of college, four years of med school, four years of, of, uh, residency. Residency. You got 12 years. Trust me. I, this didn't happen to me overnight. This probably took me 1994, yeah, about 10 years. Yeah. And then it started clicking. And then it was just like a machine. Yeah. Because you've, put all those seeds in the ground where they needed to go. People know, and nobody wants to work with a fresh realtor because if they find out you're a fresh realtor, you don't know shit. Right. Because you got your real estate license. No, you learned that people will tell you when you go to get your real estate license, all it is is about passing the test. We got you enough to pass the test. That's it. It's not. Are you you taking on new, new members on your team? We always look for new members, but it's gotta be somebody special. Somebody's not afraid to work. Somebody's going to work their ass off and, and, put in there well, I just want viewers to know if anybody's watching and they've got you know somebody that just went through and got their realtor's license or or with another brokerage real realtor realtor real tour real real 
real real tour tour real tour real tour yeah it's not a real tour it's there's real, no way no it's real, real tour. tour yeah real okay. tour um <laughs> Al Block, sorry, yeah, I, Al Block was here. You know, he was saying he, that he's probably cringing right now. Oh, he's listening. And yeah, he's, of he's course. Smiling. Yeah, he's he's smiling. <laughs> so, so I mean, yeah, we we would look. We always look at for for good people, and then you figure you're going to stay with the team for you know two to five years, three to five, yeah, whatever. I mean, at least at least two to three, you know, yeah. at least, and then you get the momentum going, and then you know we've we've put a lot of people on the street that have done good. I, you, I, you know, yeah, you know right. who they are. Yeah, and they, it's they it's, still it's call tough, you. right? It's it's like a um, a farm team that has a lot of success and a great coach, and 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 coaches his players up. Sooner, yeah. sooner or later, they're going to the big leagues, right? Well, they become your competition, but that's yeah. a yeah. I remember that just happens in your business. It seems like it does. You know, one, one uh, several. There's a, there's a right and wrong way to do it. That, that's correct. There was a there was a teacher years ago, and most uh, realtors would know her name was Marge Frazier. And once again, God rest her soul. She uh, may not have been a great realtor, but dude, she was the best teacher. And she used to make me sit in the front of the class because I always talked too much and she'd have to shut me up and hit my head and stuff like that. But she always, she goes, you sit right here. I don't want you turning around because I always had something to add. I was always trying to be part of the conversation or part of the, um, what was going on. Yeah. Cause I think the more you interact, the, the, the better. The better the feel, or the better you get out of the well, personality you, goes a long way. I mean, it, well, the personality was enough. But I remember she used to always say, you know, how much she used to, how much money you want to make a year. Well, I said I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. That was my goal. Hundred thousand dollars. Now it's like mm, <laughs> <laughs> welfare. You know, I mean, well, it, not it's quite, not. But not you quite, get the idea. Right. Yeah. So, so I mean, she used to always say, let's back the numbers out. Okay, based on you know, you talk to a hundred people and two people buy a house. That means you got to talk to a hundred people to sell two houses. And if your average commission is $4,000 a house, that means $8,000 for every two houses. So you got to sell two to three houses a month, which means how many people you got to talk to? Oh, you got to talk to so many, you got to talk to 250 people. Well, 250 people divided by 30 days, you got to talk to so many people per day. And it's like, back the numbers out, get on the phone, do what you need to do and call your people. Hell, just pick up the damn phone and call your friends and say, this is what I do. If you can support me or if you know anybody who can support me, please let me know. Once again, they don't want to do that. They think that social media is the key, which social media is really big. But all it is is a, a select group of people watching you do videos and take pictures. Yeah. What can you really back up your knowledge with? It takes time. And a lot I of think, them are not willing to wait. Yeah, I agree with that. And I told my other, my other buddy that's a realtor, not Ian. Not Ian Mason. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Ian. Oh, <laughs> we love Ian. I love Ian. Yeah. But no, I talked to a lot of realtors, you know. I just talked to Ian a lot. But, yeah. um, and I talked to you a yeah. lot and Paul and uh, a handful of you guys. Yeah. But. Paul who? Fujimoto. Oh, Fuji. Hi, Fuji. Six foot two Japanese guy. <laughs> never see I never saw a six foot two <laughs> Japanese guy. <laughs> so I was out on his boat. Yeah, yeah, I know. The guy does well, does a lot of business, he's, but he's always on his he's boat. He's always on his boat. I'm jealous. I, I got a boat, I can't use he's it. Yeah. <laughs> but he's all over the place, too. The guy will go, what I admire about Paul, is a hard worker. The guy will go to like Sanilac, Ann Arbor. I mean, you will, too. I do, too. But like, he's in his little Prius. The guy's like an hour and a half away, you know, yeah. like talking to him. Like, Where well, he used at? to make fun of me because his Prius was a limousine compared to my smart car. Yeah. You know, so he's like, here's the limo. That's Raffin. Yeah. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. But um, anyways, my point. He, he does what he needs to do. And that. And well, he hustles. Yes. And I use him and you guys as an example that I have younger agents I'll, I'll have lunch with and talk to them. And they'll be like, yeah, I don't know if I should drive all the way to Shelby Township to handle this listing. I'm like, 
Shelby Township. The majority. I'm like, I know guys that'll drive to, you know, Ann yeah, Arbor. Absolutely. Plymouth. I drove to Canton. Ann Arbor. I drove Canton. I drove to Plymouth. I drove to Wyandotte. I drove to Taylor. To make I a drove ten or fifteen thousand dollar commission. How I go to Port not? Huron. Uh, Port Huron. <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah, no. So. It, it, we do what we need to do as long as it's not out of my area and that I don't understand that I don't understand what the area is. If it's I know it's worth it too, you know. Well, sometimes it doesn't really matter if it's worth it. I sold, believe it or not, I sold a biker garage for a, for a biker gang that the feds took away from this biker gang. It was a garage on a yeah. piece of property in Port Huron. I sold it for 12 grand. And it's like, I had to drive out to Port Huron quite a few times. <laughs> but listen. Guess what? They liked me so much. They gave me a $2 million property down in Wyandotte or down in Ypsilanti, and I sold that. So you make 60000 on one, you make 600 on another one. Wow. If you do it for the deal, yeah. you're going to go broke. Yeah. If you do it for the relationship, relationship you have, you will continue to do well. You will continue to do good, but it's all long-term. If you take this business on at the short term, you're going to be like one of the statistics. And the biggest statistic is when the unemployment rate is high, everyone becomes a realtor. And when the unemployment rate is low, they quit being a realtor and they go back to the some normal job. Yes, yep. the, whatever they do. And we will go from 15,000 agents to 6,000 agents to 4,000. Probably over the next oh, 24 months, right? When you see a downturn in the economy, you will see an uptick in real estate agents. When you see an uptick in the economy, you'll see a downturn in real estate agents. It's just fact. It happens all the time. It's cyclical and that's the way it is. Wow. Yeah. How much more time we got left? 12 minutes. I only got five. I got it. Okay. We got how many? We got five, we minutes? Got five minutes. Okay. I'm going to give you five minutes. I got, I got a really, really good one. Okay. Okay. We've talked about this a couple of times and we'll still have one more show with some questions, but this is a really good one. How do you deal with a low appraisal on a property that you are selling? And we've been talking about this for the last three weeks. Oh, well, sometimes you just get out the bottle of Vaseline and you say, Oops. <laughs> and you take it. Thank God we're an adult show, folks. Well, well I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, depending on the situation, whether you have other properties coming that you've put earnest monies down and you need these funds to buy this, and the profit margin here is so much higher than, than here, um, you just you just take the low appraisal and move on with it. I mean, listen, you get a low appraisal back, you get that dreaded call or text from the realtor saying, yeah, uh, we got we to gotta, we gotta chat or I'll, I'll call you later. Bad news. Um, appraisal came back low. Number one, you look it over with the, with your agent and you try to understand why it came in low because obviously you think your property is worth what somebody's going to pay for it. Correct. Um, at that point, you try to fight it, right? There's, I'll let you get into more because I'm not an actual realtor. Um, I'll let you get into the, the ways that you fight it and try to um, get it amended or raised and try to justify the value. That's probably step two. Number three, you can always try to get the buyer, which is really hard to go with a different lender if it's not FHA. If it's FHA, you're stuck with that appraisal. We've had that problem before. If you're stuck with FHA, if it's an FHA loan, pretty much you either take that appraisal or the deal's dead because you're stuck with that appraisal for any FHA buyer for six months. Um, If if, uh, the the appraiser doesn't raise the appraisal, because that's option number two, number one is just taking it. Number two is fighting it. If the appraiser doesn't raise it, Number three would possibly be to get the buyer to go to a different lender if it's unless it's an FHA loan. And then I just that, went that, over that. Oh, you're yeah. busy on your phone. I just no, said no, that, I, I just I, said that four times. <laughs> I said, if, if it's, I'm kidding with you. If it's conventional loan, you could try to get them to go to another lender. They mm-hmm. really want the house, and you say I'm not selling it at this, and they say we want it. We're, we'll it'll delay the the process about two weeks, right? Because now they get right. the, the buyers. And I've get, done that. The before. buyers got to get all. I've done it with a buyer. The the buyers got to get all their docs to the new lender. 
order the new appraisal. The inspection should already be done and all those issues should be hashed out. So you're probably two, three weeks now that you've delayed it. Or or number four is you just go ahead and, uh, I think I said, yeah. or, or number four, you put it back. Well, no, that was number one, you swallow the pill. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, yours was Vaseline, yeah. mine swallowing the pill. Number four is you put it back on the market. You kill the deal, you put it back on the market. You can't get the appraisal raised. You can't get the buyer to go with a different lender and get a new appraisal. Deal's dead. Goes back on the market. Get a new buyer. Obviously, get a new appraisal at that point when you get your next offer. And really, appraisals, there's human error, right? They're subjective. Everybody admits oh, to that. Appraisals are are all based on a certain period of time and one man's opinion or one woman's opinion at a certain point in time in the marketplace. And when you have a market, like right now, you, as you noticed before, we're transitioning a little bit. We're we are. not really a seller's I'm, market anymore. Yeah, I'm feeling I'm it. I'm seeing people listing the same homes that they think what you were getting for. And they're That's like, oh, if Kevin got it, I can that get it. And it's problem. like, dude, you're, you've already got four Four price reductions. Yeah. You're not getting it. it you, you, I you, think. I think people think the market's slowing and stagnating a bit, but I don't. I don't think it is. I think the fact is, I go. I go into an area and pull two hundred thousand dollars for for a house that's done with pot filler and slide and range and all new, but everything increase in um, upgraded moldings and this, that, and the other. I mean, move in ready. You bring your couch in, right? And then you have like three to four people on the same street that say, "Oh, well, if he can get it, I can get it." My house is nice. Yeah. We re- we renovated back in ninety nine. It's it's yeah. it's nice. We had one of the feedbacks came in yesterday for one of this house. These people thought it's just bad to the bone, yeah. and it's like, no, it's not. You know, ain't that great. No, you're it's eight, not. You're nine hundred square feet. You're not eleven hundred square yeah. feet. And no, yeah, you got granite, but you're it doesn't flow. It doesn't this. Yeah. And then the guy, and then the agent says, and they need to clean the house. You know, your houses are professionally clean yeah. before you let anybody in. Yeah. So people, I don't think take into consideration what you did on a rehab considering everything is brand new. Well, they don't. They, they just don't know better. They think that house on the, on the street got 200000 My house is comparable size, square footage, uh, rooms, garage, basement. So my house is going to be worth one ninety five. Well, we, we just we just had the same hit last week for us. Yeah. You know, We got our house for two ninety five, and they gave us a two eighty because that's what they got down the street. Yet down the street didn't have a finished basement, didn't have the egress window, didn't have the lake, the canal in the backyard. So you take those into consideration and and there's different rules that appraisers have to follow. And the biggest one is bracketed comps. Yeah. The only way that you're going to get out of a bracketed comp situation is to sell cash right. or to have an appraisal guarantee. Well, that's a good one. I money, mean, we so. just went over the four ways, really, that you deal with uh, a shortfall in appraisal. It's not a fun time. You hope that it gets raised up to value. The appraiser sees that he made an error and didn't use a comp that you provide and, and you move forward and you get your money. But So Kevin, I think that's it. That's it for today because we ran week. out of time. How do we get a hold of you? We'll be back. Well, if you have a house, if you have a house you want to sell for cash, be done with it quick in five days. If you know a neighbor, if you know a friend, somebody unfortunately passed away, they just, they just want to get rid of this rental property. That's a problem. Give me a call. I'll buy it cash within five to seven days as soon as we do title work at 586-855-4041 or go to my Facebook page, cash the number four, your house now. Cash the number four, your house now. And likewise, Tony, if somebody has a house they want to buy, if they have a house they want to put on the market, an investor wants to get a hold of you. Somebody wants to come work for your team. That's a a good young, hardworking. Doesn't have to be young. No. Yeah, just a good, hardworking, hard-working person, uh, dedicated hustler. How do they get a hold of you? Five eight six seven seven three forty four hundred. Give us a call anytime or our our website www.talktotony.com. And make sure that you guys, if you enjoyed this show and you got something out of it, share it with your friends. Uh, find us on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Google Play, and on SoundCloud. 
fixitandflipit.com. We'll be back next week with a guest. You got it. In the studio. You've been listening to Fix It and Flip It with Tony Raffin and Kevin McClellan. Be sure to stop by our Facebook page, like it and follow, and come back again next week so you can arm yourselves with the tools and strategies to become a successful real estate entrepreneur. This is Fix It and Flip It.